Welcome to the South Elkhorn Christian Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you enjoy the weekly messages. For bulletin material, reflection guides, and other resources, visit southelkhorncc.org. Well, today we continue the sermon series that began in June, Exodus. This is the last sermon for now, though the story, as Pastor Holly mentioned, continues. And we'll pick it back up again in the future. And no, I'm not stopping, uh, simply trying to stall, waiting for the rest of 2020 so I can make parallel points about the 10 plagues of this year. Virus, murder hornets, now zombie cicadas, plagues of hurricanes. No, that's Sadly, at this rate, it kind of feels like we're on pace for that. That's not what's going on here. No, my intention is to walk through this important spiritual story three or four sermons at a time, and like later this fall, return to the story three or four sermons at a time, and then in the year, perhaps two ahead. And I know it's hard to imagine what life will be like in 2021, and it gave me such great joy to try my best to plan for 2021. But at the very least, at the very least... This sermon series is about a great story. It's about a foundational story. It's about an influential story. And perhaps as we return to it over time, God might spark something in you, in us, as we dig deeper into this story. Indeed, let's not forget, let's remind ourselves that the early followers of Jesus saw in him something of Moses, saw in him something of God's great reversal, saw in him something of freedom's surprise, saw in him something saturated with the story of Moses and the exodus activity of God. So with that in mind, let's turn to chapter 5 of Exodus as I read. Follow along with your hearts and minds. We're going to be reading verses 1 through 9, then 15 through 23. Afterwards, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh. They'd been commissioned by God to go return to Egypt and to confront Pharaoh. And so afterwards, Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Let my people go, so that they may celebrate a festival to me in the wilderness. But Pharaoh said, Who is the Lord? that I should heed him and let Israel go. No, I do not know the Lord and I will not let Israel go. Then they said, the God of the Hebrews has revealed himself to us. Let us go a three days journey into the wilderness to sacrifice to the Lord our God or he will fall upon us with pestilence or sword. But the king of Egypt said to them, Moses and Aaron, why are you taking the people away from their work? Get to your labors. Pharaoh continued, now they are more numerous than the people of the land, and yet you want to stop? You want them to stop working. That same day, Pharaoh commanded, Pharaoh commanded the taskmasters of the people as well as their supervisors, you shall no longer give the people straw to make bricks as before, a necessary and important ingredient. Let them go and gather straw for themselves. But you shall require of them the same quantity of bricks as they had made previously. Do not diminish it for they are lazy. That is why they cry, let us go and offer sacrifice to our God. Let heavier work be laid on them. Then they will labor at it and pay no attention to deceptive words. Then the Israelite supervisors came to Pharaoh and cried, why do you treat your servants like this? No straw is given to your servants, yet they say to us, make bricks. Look how your servants are beaten. You are unjust to your own people. 
And Pharaoh said, you are lazy. Lazy, that is why you say, let us go and sacrifice to the Lord. Go now and work, for no straw shall be given you, but you shall still deliver the same number of bricks. The Israelite supervisors saw that they were in trouble when they were told, you shall not lessen your daily number of bricks. So as they left Pharaoh, they came upon Moses and Aaron, who were waiting to meet them. And they said to them, The Lord look upon you and judge. You have brought us into bad odor with Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hand to kill us. Then Moses turned again to the Lord and said, Oh Lord, why have you mistreated this people? Why did you ever send me? Since I first came to Pharaoh to speak in your name, he has mistreated this people and you have done nothing at all to deliver your people. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Laziness does not exist. Or at least that's the title of a book by a social psychologist named Devin Price. And I'm rather inclined to agree. I don't know that I've ever actually met a lazy person. I've met exhausted people. I've met depressed people. I've met grieving people, I've met distracted people, I've met people with hidden barriers and complex stories, but never once, just a lazy person. Lazy is the language of Pharaoh, fearful and hard-hearted. I still recall the wise words of a professor who argued at the beginning of a class that there is nothing lazier than laziness as an explanation for people or behavior. Scrub it from your vocabulary, clear it from your analysis, he counseled. I suspect the words just lazy reveal more about the person who utters the words than the person they are trying to describe. As is the case here with Pharaoh, lazy is the language of a fearful, hard-hearted racist who sees his own stability and status quo in jeopardy. Lazy is a convenient way for Pharaoh to brand, dehumanize, and keep oppressed the Hebrew people to vouchsafe his status quo. You are lazy, lazy, he says. You only want out of your work. But we know that's not the truth. The people are exhausted by work they didn't sign up for and exploited by work that doesn't benefit them. The Hebrew people are made into beasts of burden by a fearful Egyptian ruling order that sees a political threat to their power in the numerous Hebrew people who see a glittering and seductive economic opportunity for wealth all marinated in a racism handed down from generation to generation. Remember, this Pharaoh is not the same Pharaoh from the beginning of our story. That Pharaoh and all those who sought Moses' life were told are now dead. And a new generation is leading Egypt now. New leaders, same slavery. New leaders, same fear. New leaders, same racism, same bondage. New leaders, but now a lot more to lose, like the economic engine, the political stability, and the convenient scapegoat that is the Hebrew people. So what does Pharaoh do when confronted by a demand for justice? Let my people go. He redoubles his cruelty. He removes a necessary ingredient for brick making and keeps the quota for brick output the same, an impossible task that can only lead to beatings, beratings, and unbearable conditions. Which Pharaoh, let's be clear, Pharaoh is responsible for this, but who do the Hebrew people turn on? That's right, Moses and Aaron. 
the ones who instigated this mess, the ones who couldn't leave bad enough alone and had to go make things worse. And likely Pharaoh knows this. The best way to keep this threat in check is to divide and conquer. Make them turn on those bold enough to ask for something better. Increase their suffering so that the suffering of before seems like a better life. Make them toil so much that they have no excess energy to change their condition. Only energy enough to launch their resentment and rage at each other. You see, Pharaoh knows they are not lazy. Indeed, he sees there is more than just Moses and Aaron to contend with. The Israelite supervisors confront Pharaoh too with direct and courageous words, the word unjust. Pharaoh senses the Hebrew people are all too easily energized for something better, so he redoubles their work to make them, to make them lazy with exhaustion, humiliation, and hopelessness. Pharaoh says, let heavier work be laid on them, then they will labor at it and pay no attention to these troublemakers, these deceptive words. And it seems to work, doesn't it? Moses doesn't resist the accusations lobbed against him. He doesn't turn back on the Israelite supervisors. This is important. He could have snapped back, given Pharaoh what Pharaoh wanted and turned this into a divisive and self-destructive moment. No, instead, what does he do? He turns to God and gives that lament that perhaps you know well, that many have known well, that I know well. God, where are you? Where are you? Now we have to remember that God just got done talking a big game to Moses, a big game about deliverance and rescue, freedom and worship, finally convincing the reluctant shepherd to give up his sheep and head back to his homeland where he was a wanted man. But now that he's here, nothing but toil and trouble, terror and tears but let's also not forget that God had already let Moses in on this little secret. It always gets worse before it gets better. Pharaoh won't just jump up and down with joy when you share the command, let my people go. No, he'll do what we all do when faced with the threat of change, when confronted with the injustice that we've inherited and benefited from. We'll resist, and perhaps doubly so. We'll find reasons to explain it away and make it all somebody else's fault. You're just lazy. They're just lazy, Pharaoh says. Yes, God knows Pharaoh's heart will harden first, and it does. And Moses, like most of us, expects instant change. God knows justice and freedom. Indeed, anything important requires patience, perseverance, and persistence. This is going to take a while, and it won't all be smooth sailing. You'll get tired and worn out, bone-tired, soul-weary. I have to remind myself of that in the midst of a worldwide pandemic, in the midst of an ongoing racial reckoning. Yes, you'll get tired and worn out. The counselor and spiritual director I see regularly spoke words my weary heart needed to hear recently. He said, you know it's okay to be tired, right? I didn't even realize how much I needed to hear that. Maybe you need to hear that too. It's okay to be tired. The problem isn't that we might be tired and worn out, bone weary and compassion fatigued. No, the problem is when we think it shouldn't be this way. 
that we shouldn't be tired. Then we spend what little energy we have left on fighting the reality of our own exhaustion and spiraling deeper into a paralysis of the soul. Know the great relief, the new energy, the recovery necessary for a better tomorrow and a brighter future. That comes when we stop fighting how truly tired we are. When we stop pretending we can just muster enough to confront the wild and overwhelming reality before us. And just let ourselves be tired and worn out. We can't do it alone. And we can't do it without some disappointment, discouragement, and disillusionment along the way. It's okay to be tired. It's okay to be worn out. Tired and worn out by the intractability of injustice. Tired and worn out by the uncertainty of this moment and the unpredictability of the future. Tired and worn out by working from home. Tired and worn out by schedules that don't balance and decisions that have little, if any, upside. Tired and worn out by not seeing our friends, meeting new people, and enjoying life face-to-face as we had once known. Tired and worn out by the disproportionate ways the pandemic impacts people who have the fewest resources to cope. Tired and worn out enough to turn to God and say, I'm tired and worn out, God. Where are you? God is big enough to hear the accusations of Moses and big enough to hear the abandonment of Jesus on the cross. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? God is big enough to hear how tired and worn out we are, big enough to absorb our frustration and our anger, big enough to remind us that it always gets worse before it gets better. So don't turn on each other. Turn to me. I can hear you, God says. I always hear you. Indeed, Chapter five doesn't actually end where we left it. Remember that chapters are artificial constructions that we put on this story. It wasn't written with chapter and verse. And so this this passage, this moment really ends with a verse we didn't read. It ends with the first verse of chapter six where God, God doesn't reprimand Moses for his accusations, but instead responds with the reassurance we all need to hear when we are worn out and tired That is, worn out and tired enough to stop fighting just how worn out and tired we are and just turn to God and hear these heavenly and soul-stirring words God speaks in the beginning of chapter six. Now, now you shall see what I will do. Thanks for listening to the message this week. Visit southelkorncc.org where you can download reflection and discussion guides to dig deeper into the weekly scripture and message.